Hey, everybody, and welcome to this. This is the 22nd episode of the Psychology of Lockdown. Uh, today, I am joined once again by Genevieve Schiff. Uh, she is a local activist here in Mendocino County. She has a master's in, in psychology, and we are uh, once again describing this is the eighth rule of dysfunction as described by psychotherapist John Bradshaw. Uh, this is called the unreliability rule that we're going to talk about today, and I'll just read it off to you so you know, uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, how unreliable and how this unreliability rule uh, applies to this whole lockdown situation that we've been dealing with for the last uh, almost get, getting on two years now. Don't expect reliability in relationships. Don't trust anyone and you will never be disappointed. Since our parents never got their dependency needs met as children, they cover up this instability with fantasy bonded illusions of self-sufficiency by acting either aloof and independent, walled boundaries, or needy and dependent enmeshed boundaries. Everyone feels emotionally cut off and incomplete. No one gets his needs met in a functional manner. So this is the unreliability rule. And what it really brings up for me, Genevieve, is this idea that we've heard about, about how uh, the CDC and the government as the, as the parental figures here uh, are constantly shifting the goalposts. We've just heard the CDC talking about, oh, cloth masks don't really work. Everybody needs an N N95 now. We've just seen them switch from 10 days uh, of quarantine after a positive test to five days. And this is just, I mean, this is just in the last week. I mean, if we go back over the last year and a half, you know, we see them shifting these goalposts constantly. Oh, if everybody gets the vaccine, then it's going to stop COVID. If we can only reach herd immunity. Uh, and then, of course, you know, 60, 70 percent and then populations that are 100 percent vaccinated, still seeing the highest uh, case counts and hospitalizations yet. So uh, at what point does this become unreliable? And have we just become enmeshed as a society uh, and in this codependent relationship with this situation where this unreliability rule really applies to this dysfunctional relationship? Genevieve, what do you think? Well, I, I mean, again, on each of these rules, there's so many different ways to look at it. Yeah. And when you say it that way of the goalpost, it makes me think of just trauma and being stuck in fight or flight, which I've mentioned before as blocking your logical thinking, but also in the cycle of that goalpost being moved. I mean, that's like the cycle of abuse mm -hmm. where, you know, that goalpost or that narrative meme of like one more, and then there's the period of calm. And then the walking on getting the eggshells. So the, the cycle of abuse is tension building phase and the actual incident and the reconciliation phase. And then the moment of calm. So right. that is definitely that narrative of, oh, we're okay. We can stop wearing the masks for a while. Oh no, here comes another scariant. People are getting the scariant. And then the reconciliation is like, oh, we're almost done. You know, we're almost right. done. And if you just like submit to these rules and this guidance, then we're going to be okay. And then the period of calm, which that can decrease over time, the period of calm in between, you know, just like the abuser who hits 
you know, the, the wife, I'm going to say husband hits the wife. Mm -hmm. And then that period between abuse or between beatings gets less and less and that somehow becomes a part of it. So I think that the trauma keeping you not logical and then it actually being this cycle of abuse that then bonds you with the abuser. So those folks who are in that wheel, in that hamster wheel, like they're just getting more and more bonded to the abuser. But also then when John Brad Bradshaw talks about it, he talks about it more that the unreliability is more about having your needs met or not in this case with it unreliable, you know, don't believe anything and you'll never be disappointed than the enmeshment of your needs with others. So it's like two different ones of the PTSD or, you know, being in the trauma mind, being in fight and flight versus your boundaries, you not having agency over your own feelings and body and you not having any personal boundaries with the system. And so the only way for you to get any needs met is to do that system think, you know, I want to say group think where this is for the system. And that's what he talks about too, John Bradshaw. Hopefully I'm finishing my thoughts. Uh But he talks about the boundary enmeshment is you don't know where you end and someone else begins. Right. And so somebody, he mentioned somebody, you know, gets a headache and you take the aspirin going for this sense of completeness, going for wholeness. And so in these situations, the only way for people to get whole or complete is just keep going along with the system. So you're kind of trapped in by not being able to use your logical brain, being in fight and flight, but also your boundaries are so enmeshed with groupthink and groupthink even though we've had all these rules, like that's kind of staying the same. Like the group think of you need to wear a mask. You need to keep your distance. When a scary it happens, you need to not go into public. You need to, you know, those have to get your booster, (laughs) have to get your booster, even though things have shown that that's not actually protecting, you know? So, so the, the enmeshment, of boundaries leads you to just think of the system running smoothly and not how you actually think or feel. And then the trauma keeps you out of your thinking and feeling. So really this unreliability keeps you away from yourself and how you actually think keeps you being illogical. So you can't logically think of how you feel and how your feelings are affected by the system Mm -hmm. and the agency over your own life and your own body. So we have not you and I, maybe we might not be that enmeshed. We might be the fiercely independent, like, well, I don't need anybody then. Right. And that's all we're getting our needs met. Right. (laughs) So is the uh, lack of agency and importance of anything that you think. So you can't think about it. Well, you know, that's, that's actually fascinating because one of the red flags for me has always been about this censorship 
And then the shaming of the, of the people that are trying to come out and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, shouldn't we be having a conversation about this? Um, and, and we're not those who have disagreements with what the system requires uh, really don't get a chance to even express their authenticity. We're not allowed to, to say what we feel without um, all of these passive aggressive mechanisms in place. Or, I mean, censorship is basically outright aggression. Um, but certainly the fear of being shamed by those that are really completely enmeshed within this dysfunctional government citizen relationship that, that we're in right now. Um, and they can't, they can't do that because they'll go into overwhelm too. And if you enough trauma that you can't actually think your way out of, it's, it's easier to just to just not, you know, right. even based on the trauma and PTSD. Um, I have this great book. I'll just, I didn't even mention it to you before, but the body keeps the score by Bessel van der Kolk. Nice. Um, it's an incredible book and it talks about, you know, how to get agency. That's like the, a, a topic of control over your own life and your own feelings and like how you feel in space. And that's why, you know, certain things like yoga or, or Tai Chi or whatever is like, you learn to know like each layer farther and farther away from the self of your body in space and time in space. And when you're in trauma, you lose like you're in fight or flight. The goal is to get away not to process things. And so you can't logically think your way out of things. You can't feel yourself in space anymore. It's just so you lose time in space. And that's like what PTSD is, is that the then is the now still. And so the littlest little bit, and I think they traumatized us with the, you know, government lockdown, sure, like detention. Because people, the, fear, the, littlest, the littlest thought brings you back to that and the thought of having to do that all over again. And we lose the time and space. So something like, I didn't really fully finish the thought, but yoga or Tai Chi teaches you your body in space, how you feel in your body in space, and that everything has a beginning, a middle and an end, mm -hmm. every pose and every class. So you learn to refile what is past experiences and what is current experiences. So all these people that are so reactive to the littlest thing, you know, they're going back to when it, this was like intense and scary, maybe of scary of germs or just scary of what is my life going to be? What is my job going to be? And are then kind of stuck in that. So that's how this unreliability keeps you without thought other than your only way to have some sense of control is to kind of live for the system and not even question it because it is giving you some sense of control. Mm -hmm. So uh, I don't know if I answered your question there, but it's like the, the lack of self-leadership and the unreliability is that's like, you know, his defining thing is that you are so enmeshed that you have no self 
And so no self-leadership and no agency, no control over your own life. The only control you have is on the system. And it's kind of a codependent relationship where it's some kind of wholeness, some kind of sanity, some kind of like calm where then the psych you're still stuck in that hamster wheel. And just like, I guess how it, you know, then you become bonded with your abuser and here, here we are. And, you know, you'd think people would realize at this point, but it's, you're stuck in a cycle. You're stuck, stuck in the wheel and it would take too much and you would become overwhelmed and, you know, it would take too much to kind of unravel it at this right. point. Well, and I think one of the things that's interesting too, I mean, one of the things I I was just thinking about is first of all, like when you're talking about like raising a child, oftentimes people talk about, you know, the the real need to, to have a consistent, uh, consistent patterns where these fundamental needs are met. And so the unreliability comes in when everything's always shifting on you and the rules are constantly changing. It gets very confusing, especially as a child or as the, the citizen to the, to the government system uh, in the, in the larger case. Um, and then what ends up happening, I think is this normalization of, of the dysfunction. So people don't really perceive it anymore. Like it becomes, it becomes a part of the, of the system that the system can change and shift and it doesn't have to make sense. And it, it becomes so confusing and people experience this overwhelm and then they normalize the behavior and think that it's just, this is just the way life is and they don't realize they're involved in the cycle of, of trauma. Maybe it's desensitized Mm -hmm. instead of normalized. Sure. And it's like, there's just too much to, there's just, it's too much. It's overwhelming. Right. And they're just desensitized to the emotion of it all. That ties into how people have trained in in their bodies have learned to, to embody the, uh, the past trauma. And then they just relive the past trauma over and over again, every time they get triggered and it's easy to get triggered. Well, you get triggered every time the goalpost shifts, you know, you're back in that fear space. And then what ends up happening, I think subconsciously, according to this rule, the unreliability rule is you fall right back into the family system and sort of try to plug the holes that, you know, in the, within the system that aren't working. Also, if you're so desensitized that you can't feel in your own life, then if you are going through that loop, you're going to feel something. So it's also like this attempt Mm -hmm. to feel something. Even if it's right. abuse, it's like the attention of an abuser is still attention. And if you're not able to get any attention that's not negative, then, well, it's something, you know, and we are so drawn to attention, you know, not in a movie star kind of way, but in like a way to get your needs met of you heard me, even if you're going to hit me about it, you at mm-hmm. least heard me. So that's like the, the, uh, stuckness of a relationship that's abusive. And then this is like, at least we feel something. At least I can feel the relief of the fact that people are getting their boosters. 
So right. whew, we're going to be able to go back to going to the gym or the yoga class or whatever. So there's at least some kind of sense of feeling. But when I talk about trauma, you like in my work and my jobs, working with traumatized kids or working with people through yoga and body work, they're not going to get, you have to be safe before you can work on any of it. So it's kind of, you know, I've worked with adults and with kids and it's pretty hard with kids because they're stuck in a family. Right. And if they're in a foster family, that's still not their family. So they're not going to be able to feel safe until hopefully feel safe when they're on their own. They know the door is locked. Nobody's, you know, they're 18, they're independent. So nothing is really going to get healed until you can feel safe. That's like the first step to Mm. healing trauma. And that's not going to happen as long as we're stuck in that wheel. And I say we, because you and I are stuck in it, even though we're not living it every day. So the healing of all of this is not going to happen until we can get some sense of safety. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the trick too, is maybe people are drawn to that. And so they're like, if I just get my booster, you know, then we'll be safe and I can start to unwind all of this and start to heal myself from the trauma of now almost two years. So we're not, nobody's going to get any healing as long as some of us are still in that hamster wheel or the majority or, you know, it's like kind of talking about the, the us, the, what you do, I do. So you and I off camera or whatever, we're talking about shedding or keeping yourselves away from other people, Mm -hmm. but what's what you do, I do. And so we're in that too. You know, right. we're all, we're all in this and as we're, long we're as all I'm, in the dysfunctional family, <laughs> even, you know, and that's where we come up with our roles too. Like, so yeah, even though I'm stuck in this dysfunctional family, I'm going to have that same role mm-hmm. that I had as a kid where I'm the rebel and I'm like, okay, fine. If I'm going to be in this family, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to say in the moment, even if it's uncomfortable what I really mean, you know, even if I'm ostracized or called names or, you know, fine. Like that's, so we've all taken up these little roles or also, like I was mentioning those that just can't, you know, who are like, I just don't know enough about it. I just can't say anything. That's like likely the role they had in their family. Right. Where, you know, maybe that would be the peacemaker of like, I'm just going to get a, do as much as I can to get along. And you're probably right, but let's just listen to dad or, you know, let's just, so that's, you know. Right. It's fascinating for me because I feel like um, what impacts me the most is the feeling of walking on eggshells that, mm. <laughs> you know, is common in these dysfunctional family, family systems. But then, and now out in my community, like I, 
I just don't, you know, I don't want to deal with the shaming. And I feel like I'm walking on eggshells all the time because if I say the right, the wrong thing, or even if I let people know that I'm not vaccinated, you know, it, it suddenly it turns into this, again, walking on eggshells, the only way I can really put it, like suddenly it's an issue that you really aren't allowed to discuss. And this goes back into the no talk rule. Um, but it's just so outrageous to me that like, my whole engagement with the community right now feels this way. When I go to yeah. the grocery store, it's just like, how has this happened where a person can't have their own perspective about their well, own what are, authentic What are you feeling? afraid of, Doug? What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Is they all think you're crazy? I mean, really, what's like the worst? I think it's worst? too late for that. Yeah. So it's too late. Like, might as well just be... <laughs> You know, and I have a sense of that too, like certain jobs could be threatened if, and they know me enough. And that's like what I have to hope for is that people know me enough to, even if they see my face on the newspaper and I am called a terrorist, thus white snowflake racist, that they'll just know me enough. Yeah. But what, you know, the worst that could happen is, okay, I work for, you know, private homeschool teachers and I have no county or whatever kind of job Mm -hmm. but you know for you like what's the worst that could happen if you just stood up at harvest and were like hey you guys right stop stop this madness yeah lose friends that are really your friends yeah I mean, I, I know, um, that it doesn't make sense. And I just, I guess it's just frustrating to me that I have to, uh, that I have yeah. to deal with this at all because it, I mean, you know, what's interesting is now we're talking about my own personal feelings, but I don't feel safe when I go out into the community. Uh, and I don't know what it's going to take to, um, actually get that trust back that I think that community members are actually, uh, concerned about, you know, individuals that think differently than they do individuals that have personal boundaries. I mean, this is, I wanted to bring this up in terms of that concept of enmeshment because it's so such a big part of this uh, unreliability rule. And, um, and the idea of healthcare freedom is exactly that is like trying to have healthy boundaries around people's personal body, personal choices, bodily autonomy, um, and yet when you believe in healthcare freedom right now, then all of a sudden, you know, it turns into this huge issue and it's a, it's an emotional psychological issue. You start dealing with shame and be, you know, or your avoidance of being shamed or whatever it is, uh, instead of feeling safe within a community where you're allowed to express yourself authentically, um, you know, because, I think we all have good intentions here uh, and it's just surprising. I mean, to me, like, I think the unreliability is actually a trigger for me in terms Mm. of when I see the goalpost shifting, I go like, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't make sense. And then when I see like most of my community members just shifting the goalposts, whenever the goalposts change, I, I think it's so bizarre and I, it is, it's challenging for me, you know, to participate. Because once it it becomes so bizarre, then I think that's when my trigger kicks in and I just want to avoid the conflict, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I agree. And I think I've had a little burnout 
mm-hmm. lately from it. And maybe even since the last time we spoke where I'm like, I've tried, you know, and I don't have kids in the school system. So you guys fine, do it fine. Right. You're all, you know, acting like idiots. Fine. You know, of course I don't want that because so many people that I love and care about have done the deed and I don't want to be right about it. And I don't want all the children of the world to have to get these, you know, shots and use hand sanitizer. I mean, even that alone, I think is awful for them or the reduction of their intelligence. Have you seen that? There's now a third bit of research that it was like 20 points less right. intelligence. On the so IQ I don't tests. want that to all happen, but, but you know, I kind of, the burnout of being called all of those things for me, I was like, fine, well, I'm not going to stop talking, but you have to ask me first maybe, or, right. um, and I kind of know that I have that cycle where now I'm ready again, but you know, I was called an agitator for going to the school board meetings and not wearing a mask. So I wasn't an agitator for what I said. Cause I didn't say anything. I just went in the room without a mask and then said, I have a doctor's note. And when they said, we're going to close the meeting, if you don't leave. And I was like, you're treating me like a child. What do you mean? You're going to close it for everybody. If I don't listen to you, like I have a, I have a note proof. So I ultimately left the room, even though after I was like, should I, should I have done that? But other people were there to talk. So I was an agitator for that. And it was like, fine you guys are on your own and a little bit disgusted. Yeah. But I know that I'll kind of come back around and I ultimately care. But uh, what you're saying about the eggshells then, so I, you know, I kind of understand that I haven't stopped talking, but I'm also a little bit like letting people lie in their beds for a little while. But if you were trying to work on, if we were like working on trauma and you and that sensation of eggshells, we would put a bunch of eggshells on the floor and have you crunch all over them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like stomp your way through the store, you know, and make it like flooding, right? Where you're like flooding with the fear. Yeah. So yeah. that the fear has less control over you, which isn't really, you're kind of desensitizing from the fear, but you're coming more into how you actually feel about the fear. Yeah. And what's the worst that can happen? Maybe the worst that could happen happened to you many years ago, you know, at KZYX. Sure. And that was like, you're a figure. And now they, the liberal, like hippie, heart loving, those people rejected you. So maybe you've already had like the worst thing that could happen, happen. So what are you afraid of with that? But I mean, I'm not saying that I'm not in it too. Cause I'm like, oh my God, you guys are idiots. Like here, they're doing it again. And they just admitted this and that and the other, and you're still stuck in that lie. Yeah. Well, and people I, do believe that we're sharing air. So public health is public air. And if you're not wearing a mask, you're threatening the air around us. So you're threatening everybody. You know, so that right. is the ultimate. So we can't ever get those people into my body, my choice, if they feel like the air is ours. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And we kind of talked about this. I think this does go back to the unreliability rule in terms of that there is always going to be an argument that says, I mean, of course, what we do affects others in the community. And there's always going to be arguments that that then consider that, that continue to broaden that definition so the few can control the many by justifying that you know we all live we're we're community we're social animals we all live in a community we interact together um and so these arguments are constructed you know we all breathe the same air and science has proven that disease is transmitted through this air and science has proven which it hasn't but you know it's there's some evidence scientifically that shows that this is how it's transmitted so they've made that argument and then science has proven that the masks prevent the air from being transmitted, which it also hasn't because there's a lot of evidence that suggests that it's through aerosols that are tiny particulates and the masks don't stop the aerosols, but we're not allowed to have this conversation. You know, within our communities, it's about whether the parental figure, the government is right or wrong. And that's, and that's what it just boils down to, to me. It's like, there's a certain segment of the population that's been enmeshed in thinking that what the government says is what's good for the community and then what's actually ended up happening is the opposite of what they think they're doing what's good for the community is healthy conversation about what to do about Mm. the presence of this you know coronavirus Uh, and instead of having healthy conversation we're really we've been shut down we're in this dysfunctional family system with the government where either you know again like we're talking about some most people are just Uh, enmeshed and some people are are you know, individually in, in the trauma mind. So mm-hmm. they can't actually stop and have other logical conversations because they're, they're stuck in fight flight, which is right. also fawn and freeze. You know, there's actually four, it's not just fight flight. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're in fawn, which is like the, um, give up, right. you know, versus, the fight they can't fight anymore i mean that was like kind of singed and out in that first lockdown of you can't go anywhere and so they're just in the give up phase and they can't have these conversations because they they can't use that part of their brain right now like can't use that part of your brain if you're uh you know in that I have to get away and it's like the instinctual, you're all instinct on how to self, you know, for preservation, maybe not even self-preservation at this point, if you're so enmeshed in the system, it's like a system preservation. And maybe that makes sense too, with like why, you know, my mom can't admit that the government could have intentions that are bad like that's the part she can't see that there are evil right that it could be corrupted (laughs) you know that it could be corrupted or just corrupt yeah if you're so stuck in that and so yeah the other side of the unreliability rule though is the fiercely independent folks Mm -hmm. and so Every time we talk about one of these, you know, I'm like, is that, is that who we are? Those of us who have been independent this whole time, are we the ones who, when something is unreliable, we just, 
don't trust anybody and we just go to fiercely independent. Well, I know I can trust me. And as long as I stay fiercely independent, I can still have that trust and trust me. And I'm not going to let anybody else in because of the unreliability of everyone else. But, you know, ultimately, even the fiercely independent people need other people. You know, unless you are the person out in the woods off grid, that like, you know, hundred year old lady who lives with animals and stays young by (laughs) staying away from people. But ultimately, that's not what I want. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the fear, I mean, I think in the dysfunctional system, the controlling behavior that is coming across from the government and the upper classes that have corrupted the the government system, um, they're utilizing this fear. I mean, at at the very least, I think people need to recognize that the interpretations that we've been given from the mainstream media and from the government have consistently been the worst possible outcomes. I mean, initially, you know, they scared the crap out of everybody. By quoting, yeah, and and quoting only the you know the most dire uh, predictions about how many people would die instead of all off instead of showing us the overview of all the different studies or, uh, I mean you know and again this is part of the unreliability for me it is interesting that we're having this conversation I keep I'm I'm kind of coming back more to my personal experience because it it is a trigger for me to not just do they change the goalposts and not just are the authority figures constantly shifting what they're telling us. But when I try to double check their work, I mean, they're, they're coming at me and telling me, you know, you, we've got to lock down, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. Early treatments don't work. My God. Uh, and when I, and when I double check their work, I see lots of evidence for, you know, other paths that we could take. And I'm not allowed to express my feelings about these paths within my own community um, because so many of my community members are enmeshed. They're in this part of the unreliability rule where they're just, you know, it reminds you of the George Orwell thing where it's like, we're at war with these guys today. And then tomorrow we're at war with those guys. And, and people are just like, Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Now I hate these guys. Yeah. The the hypnotism, that's them being hypnotized to Mm -hmm. only have heard the one the one story and though even these things come out that we see that's not actually true even the predicted death rate or you know when they talk about risk reduction versus absolute risk risk reduction of the vaccine they only can sort of hear the risk reduction not the fact that not everybody caught it initially maybe we had prior immunity or Mm. maybe terrain theory we weren't toxic enough to have symptoms but it's still like the they were told these certain things initially and it's been imprinted in their brain and maybe that's part of like the sociopath elite or whatever we want to call them is well i told you i told you masks don't work and you kept wearing one right and they're like stuck in the hypnot masks work like you know or this many people are going to die if we don't, even though that number is it, um, are not, or that number was yeah, totally yeah. off. The transmission rate, yeah. Even locally, that number was totally off. 
And that has been shown now. You can see the light coming through my. Yeah. Bedroom. Yeah. I know it's coming behind me <laughs> That's too. That's natural light. <laughs> <laughs> but even that locally, what Dr. Corin said it was going to be how many people we lost in Mendocino County. That's been, that didn't happen. Right. But people are still like, lives are lost. Another, another shifting of the goalposts. Like it never ended up being as nearly as dangerous as they said. And yet, you know, now we're just in the, in the new normal. (laughs) I want to just, we have just a couple minutes left. I'd like to wrap it up, keep it a little bit shorter. I know we can go on for a long time about this stuff, but there was the one sentence that um, John Bradshaw writes just a little, a few paragraphs down uh, about the overall system uh, and the rules of dysfunction here, where he talks about how, because the system is unreliable, then individual needs are put aside for the needs of that system. So, and I I just thought this was so perfect, such a perfect way to describe how we're in this very controlling environment. We're not allowed to have dialogue uh, about what's going on, you know, especially I think at the community level, Um, we're just supposed to be doing what we're told. And we find ourselves in this, in this very controlling not just passive aggressive, but sometimes outright aggressive uh, family family system, government system here. Um, our individual needs are not met because we're we're not free. We don't feel safe enough. We feel like we're walking mm-hmm. on eggshells. We don't feel safe enough to express our our true feelings, our emotions in public because we're asked to follow whatever rules and regulations yeah. old, no matter how unreliable they are and so it's like you know well, the, the, the ship is sinking and we're just plugging holes to make the system look like it's functioning all right and we're not yeah allowed well, to express also ourselves. control so trauma robs you of the sense that you have any control over anything and so you get enmeshed in the system because mm-hmm. that's like a codependent relationship right and that you have some element of control you can't control your own system or you know your anything there's no self-leadership in yourself but you can do that so i don't even know if people think they're i don't think the people in that think they're plugging holes yeah you know they're like they're still in it they think the ship is sailing fine or they're pretending like the ship is sailing fine right (laughs) yeah and also his summary of that i'll just read a couple of the so fixed frozen and rigid roles roles are created by the needs of the family as a system children give up their reality to take care of the needs of the system and then it's an undifferentiated ego mass so members of dysfunctional families are enmeshed in each other's boundaries if mom is scared then we all feel scared members feel for other members and then your needs sacrificed for the system so members of a dysfunctional family cannot get their individual needs met Individual needs are put aside for the needs of the system. And there's almost always low grade anger and depression in yeah. a dysfunctional family. Yeah, right. And anxieties. And that and I anxiety. think I think that's what's actually, I mean, we're seeing the skyrocketing suicide rates. We're seeing the skyrocketing OD. drug overdose rates, right? And we know that there's a lot of this, uh, you know, there's certainly low grade anxiety amongst everyone. And then those, I think, who are maybe... Uh, aware or of the propaganda behind a lot of this or the manipulation 
but even people that are enmeshed in what's going on and trying to normalize the cycle of trauma, you know, they must feel it's a constant anxiety uh, that prevents us all from feeling safe. And that, I mean, honestly, you know, we can wrap it up on this concept because to get away from this now, we have this, we're going to have to engage in this huge healing process where, I mean, the narrative, the, the corporate narrative is going to have to shift. I mean, one of the things that really frustrated me, it was a red flag from the very beginning, because I think good leadership in any kind of a, you know, a a traumatic situation is going to try to downplay people's fears so they don't get triggered so that they can, you know, think critically to get through whatever it is. That's that during the the reconciliation and calm period, but then you want them to have to go. Right. And you'll see them amp up the fear factor and everybody gets, you know, freaked out. And so they don't feel safe. Like, I mean, what's it going to take to, to get away from this? So yeah, wrapping it up around, well, what can we do around this? And that was like a thought. So maybe, you know, for you, it's like crunching up all those eggshells. Um, but another thing it makes me think of too, that we are all connected. So when somebody, when I was out in front of the courthouse was saying, but this is our air. I mean, I could make the argument that what you do affects me. And I've kind of done that, you know, tongue in cheek, like taking photos of masks that I find and say, your trash is my trash. Right. your choices affect me if you choose to eat, you know, gummy bears over celery, that actually does affect me. And so should we start talking about kind of the opposite, where if you eat gummy bears, then that means this local market's going to carry gummy bears, not celery. And that means that they're going to be making more food coloring. And that means they're going to be using GMO you know, artificial ingredients and corn syrup. And that means that they're going to be using animal ag to get all the gelatin to make the gummy bears. And so you're creating a system that is reliant now on GMOs and toxic chemicals and access to, you know, they're not going to carry celery there until people start buying celery. So that is one way I've tried to like, Hey, I could make that same argument that what you do affects me, but I don't even think unless the mainstream is saying that it's not going to. That's just it. It's like the mainstream narrative is creating this, this atmosphere of unreliability. I mean, there's, they're the ones that are just constantly, you know, we're going through the cycle of trauma. We're, we're get we're shifting the goalposts and they're the ones that are feeding us this. It's, and it's interesting. This is kind of making me think, when I'm thinking about solutions, I mean, here we've spent this entire series now discussing what, what the dysfunctional family system looks like. And now I'm, I'm really actually realizing that once this is all over, there's actually going to have to be a huge period of time where there's like a healing that occurs. You have to grieve first. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's just it. Like, what is the healing process? And I think I want to do one more episode with you. This is the last rule of dysfunction and where we can wrap it up. And um, I had been thinking it would be like coming to a conclusion about all the, the, the concept of mystification that George and I talked about in these rules of dysfunction. 
But now I'm thinking too, we should spend a lot of time on what is the healing process from all of this and how can we create functional family systems, right? A functional community system after we've clearly seen how dysfunctional all of this has played out over the last two years. And unreliability ultimately is a lack of trust Mm -hmm. and a lack of boundaries, and right. so how can we, and, you know, that can be the, the next episode, but for, you know, last time I talked about, okay, how to get people the no talk rule. Well, you got to pull them out one at a time, take them out of the mob mentality and talk to them. And so for this one, that uh, you know, trusting people and getting good boundaries so how do we do that? And that might be also kind of pulling people aside and saying we're cool or, you know, how to understand that maybe that relationship is over, you know, boundaries, these are boundaries and you're still crossing those boundaries. So therefore I can't trust you. And you're, you know, maybe it is more separation from the mass. hmm and forming our own little groups of people you can rely on and sure. people you can trust, even if you might not get along with them when it comes to religion or diet or whatever, like how can we build trust and how can we have better boundaries? Right. And that might be a little bit of letting go of the past. And I have been trying to complete my sentences and thoughts on here, but my personal example is there were people through that last co-op shop trip that were being insulting and mocking me online and they are my friends. And I pulled a few of them out and said, Hey, that's me you're talking about. And I had both reactions of, Oh gosh, Genevieve, I really respect you. That's, I didn't mean you, you clearly, I thought it was, Trumpers right. and the police were letting white privilege rule. And so they were leaving you alone because you were white. So then it became a race thing. But Genevieve, you clearly don't fit that. I've met you in person. So touche, you saw me without a mask. Okay, I'm going to delete this comment if you want. And I was like, I'm not trying to censor. I'm just want to have this. And then I also had people say, I don't give a fuck what you think. I mean, I was like, I'm trying to tell you what actually happened. And I started and maybe new year's too. I just unfriended those people recently. And I was like, why am I even keeping that connection? Making a healthy boundary. We were never actually friends and I don't (laughs) feel safe. I started feeling unsafe about what I was sharing. And I know there's some kind of mole person in my personal Facebook page because somebody took a photo from my personal private photos and shared it with Ukiah daily journal. So I'm still unsure who that is. So I was not feeling safe in my relationships. So I started calling some people, you know, sending them private messages saying, I just want to wrap this up. And they ultimately said, I'm going to delete like two of them. I'm going to delete that comment. One of them was like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what's going on. And I was like, you should look to people saying, you know, I don't give a fuck what you think. Right. And I was like, you know what? 
I don't need to keep that relationship. There's not much anyway. And if I see you, I'm going to feel like it's phony. So the, those were like my new boundaries around this, where if I actually come to you and want to explain my side and you've already made your decision, then you're not my friend. We're not really on the same team. Yeah. And that's okay. We don't all have to be friends. But it's for me it, trying to find a sense of safety after being kind of blasted like that, it was kind of like what I had to do. And I'm still working on it. But so fi- having good boundaries and finding people that you can trust. Well, it's interesting to me too. I mean, we've been talking about this in terms of like, there, there's two ways to deal with the unreliability rule. One being the enmeshed and the other being the fiercely independent. And then we've got these family roles. And if you think about your community as a family, then, you, you know, like you and I maybe represent those who had the fiercely independent reaction and not, and, and then we see so many of our community members having the enmeshment reaction. And then it makes me think about in the family system and the family roles that you brought up earlier, like in the family, you know, one of the children might be the rebel, the fiercely independent, but at some point our communities are going to have to understand how, I mean, you don't just excommunicate that member of the family because they don't fit into the family system or they're rebelling well, against the family system. Like a healthy, a healthy family learns how to incorporate everybody authentically within the family. I mean, if you do excommunicate and yes, in some cases it's, it's necessary to draw boundaries against family members that, yeah. you know, are passive aggressive, but I'm just thinking in terms of like the ideal healthy community, you know, yeah. how do we get over this? Because we really can't just, I mean, ideally, we're going to have a community where these outliers, these fiercely independent, rebellious types are also like, you know, living in a community that cares about them and wants to hear yeah. their perspective and incorporate that into the broader community culture in a good way without the walking on eggshells and the shaming and the excommunication. Yeah, or just the, the I don't need any of you. Right. And that's like, you know, I kind of called you out for the eggshells, but for me, my, this one was, I could relate to as me being the fiercely independent and willing mm-hmm. to give it all up, but we just had holidays and I didn't spend my holidays with the usual family and I would rather just be independent and I was fine, but that's not really the healthiest way. So this one is a little right. bit of a challenge. So this is something that I work on is not being so independent and and learning to trust well let's, because uh, i know i can trust myself and like if you've shown me that i can trust you in these little ways like i'm very if if i feel betrayed i'm like i i can cut people right off and like i okay you know you had your reasons and i can be understanding about it but i also I'm a little bit more like, well, I'll just be a hermit out in the woods and I don't need any of you, but that's not healthy either. So I don't know if it's amongst all of us independent people, we have to build relationships and trust, but then that's a separate society Yeah, and that's not going to be the functional family, but. Right. I mean, I almost see that 
as where this is going, I mean, unless we can figure out some way to create a holistic vision of community that we can all participate in, it, it really is, we're, we're going to bifurcate, right? There's going to be those that are enmeshed and those that are fiercely yeah. independent. And we're going to have to find our own paths and just have separate communities because and this is, it's not working. And you got to create and, healthy boundaries at the end of the day. Right. And yeah. we all do live in the same world or the same, you know, village. But this, right. again, is the one that I would have more trouble with because I don't have contact with like certain family members, you know, Well, let's, and uh, I'm okay with that. And that's good. Let's explore but this in, in the next episode. Then we'll, we'll okay. kind of conclude now this, because this was the eighth rule, the unreliability rule, and this wraps it up for the rules of dysfunction. Um, but I'm curious to go a little bit deeper. We'll do one more episode to kind of conclude the whole series and we'll dive a little bit into what a healthy community could really look like Um, because clearly, you know, it's funny because George and I would have these conversations and they were more theoretical about the government and you kind of bring it down to a, to an actual community level where, how are we feeling in our communities? And it's more, um, it's got this real personal feel to it that I'm appreciating, Mm -hmm. Um, because I think on an emotional level, that's what's, that's what we're all dealing with every day. When you go to the grocery store, you know, if you have a disagreement with those who are enmeshed, if you're feeling like you're the fiercely independent one, you know, but you're, you're not getting heard. Um, if you're confused about the unreliability, uh, the shifting goalposts, all the changes that are going on, you know, from the authority figure all the time, then, uh, then you're kind of called out or shamed or whatever. And so clearly something dysfunctional is happening. We've outlined them, the mystification Mm. process, the rules of dysfunction. So what, what happens, what can we do uh, to to create a safe community, you know, where all these were both the enmeshed and the independent can kind of like take a step back and create a safe space for all of us to figure out how to live together, because I think yeah. if that doesn't happen, then we really are. We're we're gonna see we're gonna see this bifurcation. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be an interesting next couple of years. So anyway, Genevieve, I you know I do we we've been going uh, forty five minutes or so now, so we should wrap it up. Um, but would you like to, if you have any concluding words or uh, how people can get in touch, I'm not sure who, where do you want people to go to, to find out more, especially if they're listening locally and they want to be more active. Uh, they could go if they're on social media. So Facebook, Mendo Health Freedom Fighters, and okay. you can send a private message because we're trying to vet people. And if your profile is totally private, then you won't get in. If we can't see some elements of independence or rebellion right or on telegram mendocino patriots and we have monthly town hall meetings where the next one is this weekend so this probably won't be released in time for people to go to this january town hall but there'll be one in february okay so to get in touch but i i like that idea of the next one kind of being how you'll or how to have some kind of safe space to grieve and then heal. Yeah. Because that is an essential part. Okay. Very good. And I'll, uh, I'll just let people know that you can find out more about my work at www.theshiftnow.com. Uh, I've got the whole psychology of lockdown series under the free content tab. 
Uh, you can find it now. This is going to be the 22nd uh, episode and we'll be wrapping it up with the 23rd. Uh, and there's just, I think it's jam packed with information at this point. There's a, a lot. I mean, uh, as we've noticed this, this concept of the mass formation event is now going viral since uh, Dr. Malone mentioned it on Joe Rogan's show, but we've been talking about it and really exploring it pretty deeply here uh, throughout this series um, and really breaking it down. What does it mean? Why is it happening? What's going on? What are the characteristics of it? So um, go to theshiftnow.com and check out the whole Psychology of Lockdown series there. Uh, so you can get all the information, all the different um, characteristics of mi both mystification, which is like the mass formation or the hypnosis, and then the rules of dysfunction, which is why it's so uncomfortable uh, in this in our communities right now. Why the uh, why we're not communicating? Why so many of us are feeling anxieties, are feeling depressions, are feeling like we're not allowed to be our authentic selves within this community system that's become so dysfunctional. So thanks everybody for listening. You can also find me at Doug McKenty on Facebook. Uh, I've got a shift with Doug McKenty on Facebook um, page as well. I'm at D McKenty on Twitter. Uh, and uh, you can find me also on YouTube. I would check me check out the shows with Doug McKenzie on Odyssey and Rockfin for uh, all of my work that are that are published up there because those are censorship free platforms. So check it out. All right, thanks, Genevieve, and we'll be looking forward to the to the final installment where we'll get into the whole healing process. Sounds great. Great, thanks, Doug. Yep, you bet. Have a great day. <laughs>